0: Would you pray with me? Let's just stretch out our hands towards heaven if you're comfortable with it. Lord, we just thank you that you are king. Lord, I know in life it feels like on many days that we're just falling apart, that circumstances are chaotic around us and we're just trying to get through the next day. But Lord, it says in Scripture that you will never grow tired or weary. You are our strength. And so we look to the hills where our strength comes from, from You, Lord. It it doesn't come from ourselves. We can't muster up enough energy or excitement or self-help. It all comes from You and Your Spirit. You breathe life into our soul. So, Lord, over the next few moments, we just say, welcome, Holy Spirit. We pray that we would be transformed by the living God. That you would show us, Lord, where we need to grow, where we need to step out in faith, where we need to come into agreement with what Scripture says, Lord. And there's so much importance with a physical posture of surrender to the Lord because it reminds us of who is on the throne, and it reminds us that we are not our own God, that we can never provide for ourselves, but He is our provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is Emmanuel, God with us. So, Lord, we just fix our eyes on You. We worship You. We exalt Your name in this place. And it's in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. The Lord has been on the move today. Amen. So many different testimonies and stories. I just want to say welcome. If this is your first time to one church, or you've been here for months, or maybe you're watching online, I don't know where you're coming from, but I want to share three different things before we start. Number one, you belong here before you believe. So if you're like still figuring out what you believe about church, whether you're watching online or watching this on YouTube later, we just want to say welcome to the table. Jesus welcomes you to the table. The second thing is this. I don't want to just reach those who are far from God, but we want to unleash those who are already believers that are saying, man, I just want to go deep. I want a challenging message. I want to speak to you this afternoon. As well and the third thing is this I don't want to preach at you, but I want to talk with you We got a smaller crowd for the 1 p.m. So like you can talk with me All right, like we could be a big small group right now. That's okay We can get to know one another so I don't want to just stand up here and act like I have it all together This is not a message or a word to say hey, I figured it out and follow me This is me saying man I'm just a work in progress and I pray that My testimony and the word that God's put on my heart will just encourage you and empower you now, Is that cool? Let's pray together one more time. Let's go to the Lord. Jesus, as we approach your word, we know that your Bible, your word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It's different from any text known to men because it's alive, because it speaks to our very specific situation. This isn't a book that we pick off the bookshelf and just say, oh, this was cool for yesterday. This is revelation for today, Jesus. It's transformation today. So everyone under the sound of my voice, whether they're online or in the room, would just say, Holy Spirit, would you breathe fresh life into us? Would you lead us? Would you correct us? Would you rebuke us? Would you encourage us? All Scripture is God-breathed and used for the teaching that we need in our hearts, Lord. So we're going to give you the glory in advance. And it's in Jesus' name, everybody. said. Come on, everybody said. Amen. Yes. Our first sermon series as we started out, One Church is called Now. And some of you in the room, you know me really well. So you're like, okay, I've seen this. This uh, I've seen this coming from like a mile away, okay? Like we got a basketball goal back there. Yes. But the scripture and the things that were on my heart as I was preparing for the first couple weeks of One Church was the word now would not leave my heart. It wouldn't leave my mind. And I believe God speaks very detailed to the moment to the situation, to the scenario. And so I, I took a step back and I started to reflect on everything that's going on in our world, right? With COVID and the racism and the division, the political tension, like all of it, I felt like the Lord was just saying, in the middle of all of this, the time is now. Like now is the time to make a move. Now is the time to go all in for God. Like we have procrastinated for way too long. We've been one foot in, one foot out for way too long. Like now is the time. And so I want to build off of last week's message. I'm not going to talk about sports this week. Is that okay? Some of you are like, "Praise the Lord!" I don't, I don't not tracking with you. The title of today's message this afternoon is this: "Living Now for the Next Life." All of us in this room, watching online, all of us will meet God face to face one day. Like, isn't that a crazy thing to think about? Like, there's so many different things that we imagine in our life, right? Maybe one day we'll get married, or maybe one day we'll do this and that, and we'll go to that vacation. But, like, all of us are going to meet God face to face. We're going to bear an account of our life to Him. Isn't that crazy? And so last week we talked about that idea, but I want to take it a step further, and I want to talk about how, if this is true, right, and we know it's true, we know that, we can put our hope and our trust on Christ. He's a solid foundation. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Knowing that this is absolute truth, then it should radically change the way that we use our time, talent, and treasure. And that's just what I want to talk to you about for the next few moments. I find it really interesting how much our culture obsesses over retirement. Retirement. And uh, I was joking with the services today, the people that have been attending. That for me, when I walk into a, a situation where they're talking about like retirement and all those fancy like 501c3, 401k, IRA, like anybody like intimidated when you walk into a conversation like that. Okay? Maybe all of you are financial wizards. I don't know where you're at, but for me, when we signed Lindsay up for uh, an IRA, we rolled it over from her account, and I'm just getting to know the language, okay? But as I was preparing for this message, thinking about our eyes set on eternity, right? Like life is here today, gone tomorrow. No one knows how much time we have left. I began to think about how interesting it is that as a culture, we just obsess over this idea of retirement. And there's some stewardship principles into this, right? There's like really good biblical principles. We're going to leave something for our kids. We're going to go out of our way to make sure they have something that when we move on or our family or friends But what if we spent all the same energy that we spend on retirement, maybe like a 10 to 15 year window of our life, and we spent it on preparing for eternity? Like, that's a crazy thought. But for me, like, the more I wrap my mind, it is so hard to, the more I wrap my mind around the fact that, like, all of us will meet God face to face one day. Man, it's just wrecked me. Like, it has hit me to the core of my soul. And I want to live life in accordance with that. Anybody with me? Like, I don't want to just act like that moment's never going to happen and kind of just dance around a little bit. Like, I want to live for the next life. And so the first minute idea I want to challenge us with this morning, whether you're watching online or in the room, is our citizenship is in heaven. Plain and simple. I love how Philippians puts it. Chapter 3, Paul says this, For I have often told you before, and I'll tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. You're either all in or you're all out. When it comes to Jesus, their destiny is destruction, like it's a heavy message, right? Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. But I love this. He says, their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. But we were made for a different country. We were made for a different life. This life is not the end-all be-all. And we eagerly await a Savior from there. Throughout Paul's writings in the New Testament, like anybody heard of Ephesians, Philippians, 1 and 2 Timothy, like all these letters, anybody just raise your hand if you're with me. Throughout all of these messages, I encourage you to go back and look into it deeper. It's flooded with Paul awaiting the day of the Lord. And what's so interesting is Paul was like just walking with the disciples, the earliest group of believers, like to think that Jesus would come back in his lifetime was pretty crazy. But here we are, you know, hundreds of years later, and everything in his life boiled down to the moment when he would meet God face-to-face. 1 Timothy 6-7, it won't be on the screen, it just says this, so simple. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Like all the things that we obsess about, our status, our success, like saving up for our future dream house or dream boat, like all of it will vanish in a moment. And what's left will be our relationship with God and our relationship with people. And so as we're starting this church, I felt like, God, I don't know where we go into scripture, but something in my spirit is telling me we have to start with the end in mind. And everything else will be seen in reverse from that moment. Everything that we do with our time, talent, treasure must be dictated from the moment that we meet God face to face. Another scripture that stands out to me about this idea of even managing our time, talent, treasure, Ephesians 1 says this, you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth so when the gospel is proclaimed that Jesus died on the cross, he rose from the grave it's up to us whether we want to receive that message or not but when you believed, if you're a believer, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance I love that not an earthly inheritance, but a heavenly one that no one can take away, that no one could steal. So we know time is short. Like, you're here in my heart already this morning. If you're with me, just say amen. Okay, come on. Like, you know that there's a level of urgency from the Lord, from the Word, even from me this morning, but there's things in our life that are holding us back. And for each of us, it's going to look different, right? Like, we're all different. We're all made on purpose, unique individuals. But just because the Lord, right, we just sang about it, like, just because the Lord would tell us we're a lion... If we're still caged up, then what are we going to do with it, right? And as I was preparing this message, I didn't share this with the first two services, but I just feel led to say this, like, you can be a lion, you can have all these things going for you, but if you're still living caged up, how is that going to change the world? What are the things that are holding you back? And that's why we chose the word unleash. My prayer for the next few moments is that God would unleash us from things that are just holding us back, that are holding us captive. When Jesus came, He said, I came to proclaim freedom for the captives. Because Jesus knew that we weren't just in like earthly slavery, we were in spiritual slavery. We were in slavery to things that have no eternal worth whatsoever. So I want to challenge us with this idea this morning. Number two, God has a customized calling for each of us. I want to look at a story with you for the next few moments of Abraham and Abraham was a, a crazy dude that decided to, to go all in for God at all the costs. No matter what people would think about him, no matter what people would say about him, it says in the Old Testament, Genesis 12, 1-4, the Lord came to Abram and he, he said, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land. I will show you God is calling him. He's got his phone number, right? Verse number two, it says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. Feel the weight of this calling. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is a a prophetic story of when the Israelites would later inherit the promised land. Anybody with me? Have you ever heard of the promised land? Okay, like, I don't know the the Father Abraham story if you grew up in church, alright? So don't ask me, Father Abraham, I don't know any of that. Uh, I grew up in church, but I I don't know if I was paying attention that close when I was that younger. Uh, Sorry, Mom and Dad, I know you're in this service with me. But uh, no matter who you are, this is just where I want to start with. You are called to a higher purpose. All of us. A heavenly purpose. An eternal purpose. You are made on purpose for a purpose. Like, you're not just here on accident. You're not just here because you poofed from a Big Bang Theory. Like, you are here because God created you, and He has a purpose for you. But I don't want to just stop there, because even though we're made for more than all of that stuff, when we realize we have a heavenly calling, so many of us get caught up in this idea of comparison. Comparison is an enemy of our calling, is the next phrase I want to share with you comparison is an enemy of our calling. So when you're thinking about this idea of comparison, some of us are like, okay, what are you talking about, Andy? I'm talking about like when you get on social media and you're looking at somebody else's highlight reel, right? And maybe something good just happened in your life. Maybe you got a new job. Maybe you advanced in your company. I don't know. And then you get on Instagram and you see someone else's life and you're like, I wish I had their life. Or I wish I had their spouse. Or I wish I was, maybe that's another conversation. Uh, Maybe I had someone like their spouse, right? But we get in this mindset of comparison where we're like, man, no matter how hard I try, I feel like my life will never be like theirs. And it's just slavery. I don't know if you struggle with this, but I definitely do. If I'm just being real. Like there's so many times where God blesses me and then I get online and I'm like, I gotta stay away from social media because it messes with my head. Comparison is an enemy of our calling. But for me, I feel like over the past couple years, the Lord has had to teach me and rewire my brain to see, Andy, I have a specific calling, a specific inheritance with your name on it. With a lane that you are called to run in. So you're not trying to be like the person to your left or to your right. The Lord tells Joshua before he goes into the promised land, do not turn to the left or to the right. Don't be comparing yourself. Don't be looking at what they're doing. But I have a calling for you to be strong and courageous and to lead. This is what the Lord was teaching me the past couple of years: is When you know you are customized, you win the battle of comparison. And then you're not trying to live someone else's life. Because when we stand before the Lord on Judgment Day, He's not going to ask you, hey, did you fulfill Joe's life? He's going to ask you, did you fulfill the call that I had on your life? With your name on it. And I feel like in in, in our Instagram, social media age that we live in, even as believers, right, like we get caught up in this and we start obsessing over things that are just distracting us. That's the next main idea that I want to challenge us with this morning. We we must silence distractions to receive discernment. Those distractions are going to look really different for each of us. Turn to your neighbor and just say, can you hear me? Turn to the person behind you and say, can you hear me? Not just shout it at me, just say, Can you hear me? All right, I can hear you. Discernment is a churchy way of just saying this, knowing the difference between God's voice, our voice, and Satan's voice. And the truth is this many of us know the calling that we have on our life, but we don't have the discernment to walk it out. Like, we know we're called to a higher purpose. We know we were made for more than just watching Netflix and getting drunk and waking up depressed. Like, maybe you've heard that before. But if we're going to walk in that calling, we have to know how to hear God's voice. If we don't know how to hear God's voice, we won't walk in the fullness of that calling. Genesis 12, 8. Let's go back to the story. I love this. Abraham, when he got this calling, verse 8, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. It says this several times over and over. that Abraham pitched a tent. He pitched a tent. He had to get away from all the noise and the distractions of life. Like, let's just be real. We live in that Instagram, McDonald's, Starbucks culture. Ding after ding after ding after ding. Like, Man, when I deleted my Bleacher Report app for like two days, I was like... Man, it felt like the whole world was trying to get a hold of me, and it was just bleacher report, right? Like, let's just be real. But we're so distracted with all these things. Here's the truth: if the devil can't make us bad, he'll just make us busy. I heard an acronym one time. My dad told me this is busy stands for being under Satan's yoke. And of course, sometimes it's a good busy. Sometimes it's a good stress. Man, you know, when we talk to to one another, let's just be real. You say, "Hey, how are you doing?" The common response is, "Man, I got a lot going on." "Man, I'm just so busy." I'm just so, We have like normalized a culture of anxiety and overworking and overbinging just because we're we're just Americans. This is just what we do. When we're at the airport, we have walkways that help us fa- walk faster, right? We have like crazy things, but we don't know that the Lord just wants us to slow down for a second. And one of the things that I shared with the last service, and I don't know if people are never going to come back because I said this, but I feel like there's a lot of people, even in the body of Christ, we're so distracted with where we lie on all of these issues. Are you mask? Are you no mask? Are you vaccine? Are you no vaccine? Are you Democrat or are you Republican? Can I tell you that I see the good and the blend on both sides? And can I tell you that we are so distracted with majoring on the minors? Like, trust me, I believe there is goodness and compassion in a lot of both sides, right? But right now, we would rather obsess about that than just die to ourselves and listen to the other side. Because we're just distracted. It's easier to follow man-made rules than the ones that Jesus gave us. That's just the truth. Like when Jesus says, love neighbor as thyself, when it says in James, be quick to listen, slow to speak, it's a lot easier to just obsess over this uh, conspiracy theory and why I think we should have mass and all of that, when we just need to listen and say enough of the distractions, let's come together and be one. Is anybody with me? Like it's silent, maybe for bad reasons, I don't know if that's for good reasons, but some of us don't have enough silence or margin to walk with discernment. Another thing that I struggle with at times in my life is people pleasing, right? Like you want people to like you. You know, and you don't want to disappoint people and you want to make sure that you're helping everybody, right? As a pastor, it's really, really difficult to not live into people pleasing, right? And as believers, it can always be couched under this good, well, I'm helping someone, I'm helping someone. But some of us don't even have enough margin in our life to practice discernment, to step in and say, God, I'm giving you this space to hear from you. Through COVID, you know, I don't believe that God caused COVID. I don't believe that He's the author of evil things. I think He allows things for reasons that are beyond us. But He always takes what the enemy meant for evil and He uses it for good, right? So, COVID has just been this craziness that's happening. But I think if there's any good, hang with me, that has come out of it. When all the sports were canceled, when all the concerts were canceled, when like all of our plans were put to the side for a second, God had our full attention, that's another phrase that came to my mind. God just doesn't just want our attendance. He wants our full attention. This isn't about just like attending church and saying, well, I went to church on Sunday, cross that off my list. Like, I think I'm a pretty good person. God is saying, no, no, I want your attention. I want your heart. Matthew 6.21 says this, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Think about the things that we have emotionally attached ourselves to, like sports like climbing the ladder of success, like Instagram, like all of these things. Here's the truth. Whatever holds our attention holds our heart. Jesus says, if the eyes are full of darkness, then the whole body's full of darkness. He's basically just saying, what we meditate on, what we research on and obsess about, eventually that's going to get into our heart. And then out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks, right? Whatever holds our attention holds our heart. And we just came out of 21 days of prayer and fasting as a team. It's been amazing to hear all the testimonies online and in the room for the services the past couple weekends. But fasting is basically this, right? It's another Christian cliche term that most people are like, I don't know what fasting is. Like, what do you mean? It's basically opening a door. Not like Narnia. I'm not going there, okay? It's opening a door to a fresh awareness that God is with us. That his presence is with us. When we get addicted and we get distracted with all these things like Instagram and TV shows and this, that, and we just have busyness after busyness, fasting is like, I'm going to put that stuff away for a second and I'm going to renew my focus on the presence of God with us. Does that make sense? It's a simple thing that we've made super complex. But I remember, you know, just another way to look at this is my wife and I went on a vacation recently. We went to a training down in Twelve Stone uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. i got Leanne's in the back with me. And uh, it was our first time traveling as a family with our little baby girl, okay? And like everybody in the airport knew it was our first time traveling with a baby girl, okay? Because we had to have this thing all planned out. We were always the last ones at the gate. Anybody traveled with like little babies before, you're like, okay... So I'm always at the gate on all these five, six, seven flights that we're on and everybody's walking around us. I'm trying to fit this stroller into this bag, right? And it's like, this bag doesn't fit the stroller. I don't know what Mockingbird was thinking, right? And uh anyways, we have this whole thing planned out. We're like, okay, we'll we'll put the diaper bag on my back, we'll put Aliana, my daughter on Lienza. And then once we get to the gate, we'll put the coffee that just spilled on our stroller and the, the little, uh, you know, cup holder, man, like thing that's in there, whatever. And we had it all planned out because we thought about it in advance. We still looked pretty dumb in the process. But I heard a pastor say this, and this has stuck with me for the last few months. Some of us have a better vision for our vacation than for our calling. Like if I told you, I said this last week, if we were going to Hawaii on a trip in two days, what would you start doing? We start planning, right? We'd be like, okay, I'm going to go to this hotel and then we're going to eat here. And maybe you're not a planner, but let's be real. We would want to have some sort of an agenda where we're staying, where we're going. But we have a better vision for our vacation than a vision for eternity. And there's a problem with that. There's something that needs to change in that. Proverbs 29:18 18 says this, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. This is a famous scripture that I feel like is often misunderstood as well. To break it down, to make it even easier for you to understand, it's this, when you don't have a vision for your life, you just stop caring. Like if you don't have a vision for why you were created, the purpose that God has for you, then why would you try any harder, right? It's kind of the attitude we get in. Because we need to have a vision from heaven. And it's not a vision until we write it down to say, God, this is who I'm called to be. This is the character that you're calling me to live into. But for most of us, we don't have a vision for our life, so we just stop caring. The mundane takes over. The sports take over. The busyness takes over. Because we don't have values in a system for our life to say, this is why I'm here on planet earth. Right? But here's the thing, God isn't longing to just give us discernment. He's longing to give us detailed discernment. To know His voice with details. I think this is one of my favorite ways that in my relationship with the Lord, I feel love from my Father. How many of us know God is our Heavenly Father, right? It says in Scripture, if, a, if an earthly father knows how to give his kids a good gift, how much more will our Heavenly Father bless us, right? I don't know about you. I don't know what your love language is. Anybody like words of encouragement are mine, right? Okay, I'm, in, I'm there with you, all right? Service, anybody? Okay, maybe. Uh, what's the other ones? Uh, physical touch, anybody? Nobody with physical touch is going to raise their hand, right? right? <laughs> Let's just be real, all right? Everybody's like, no, I don't want to be touched today. First Chronicles 14, 14 through 15. Look at the details in the way that God speaks, and He still speaks the same way today. David inquired of God. It says he he basically took time to pray. And God answered him. How many of us are like, man, I feel like if I pray to God, he's not going to answer. Can I tell you he's ready to answer you? Like we don't serve a God that's all over the place trying to answer the phone for everybody. He's actively engaged in our life, waiting for us. It says when we come near to God, he comes near to us. God answered him. Do not go directly after them. David's in the heat of battle. But circle around them and attack them in the front of the poplar trees. The detailed discernment. As soon as you hear the sound of the marching in the tops of the poplar trees, as you hear the rustling of the leaves, move out to battle because that will mean God has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. Look at the detail that God speaks with. And for most of us, we don't believe God speaks the same today at all. We're like, okay, Andy, that's like the Bible. That was kind of for them. Can I tell you that's for you today? Like you can hear the voice of the Lord today in detail, in depth. But so many of us, we're just like flipping a coin, heads or tails, on who we marry, which job we take. Do I move to this city? Do I stay here? When God is saying, yes, I've given you free will, but I have detailed discernment for you. Like when you start to realize that the way that God has wired you, the way He's called you, the inheritance that He has for you, like when you start to realize you are customized, when you realize that, man, i got to get rid of these distractions, all of a sudden life gets really clear, and you're craving to hear from the voice of the Lord and nothing else to guide your life. I have a couple of main ideas I want to share before we're done, but I want to take a break, a breather for a second. We just came out of Christmas, so what's everybody's favorite Christmas movie? I know that's kind of a funny question to ask. I'm looking over here at Mitch right now. I don't know what he's going to say. I had someone in the last service say, Die Hard in the back. I think that was, I'm not going to say who. Uh, that's great. You do you. Uh, come on, who? Favorite Christmas movie? Christmas Vacation. Home Alone. Elf. Lord, thank you. Um, Yes, Elf is my favorite. I don't know about you, but like Christmas brings out the familiarity in all of us, right? Whether you grew up in a great home or not, whether you celebrate Christmas with family or friends, it doesn't matter. There's something about the Christmas time. You get that warm cup of whatever you're drinking, hot cocoa, hot cider, right? You get on that couch. Maybe you have a blanket that was passed down from generations. Maybe it's all gross now, right? We have a couple of those. But something about Christmas shows us that we have a familiarity that we all long for as humans, right? Like seeing the same people at the same dinner table, or maybe it's watching this movie on Christmas Eve. I don't know where you're coming from. But I want to give you the flip side this afternoon. The last main idea is this. We must, at times in our life, leave the familiar to see the fullness that God has for us. Sometimes the familiar is good, but sometimes the familiar could be the very thing that's holding us back for going all in for the Lord. And this is where I want to talk about our treasure, the things that we hold closest to our hearts. Genesis 12, 1-2, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Let's just pause there. Abraham left everything that was familiar. Your country. Your people, the place where he lived, his primary community, your father's household, like anyone moved before, like those are intimidating moments where you're like, I'm about to completely refocus in a whole different region, right? With a brand new community of people. He left all of this stuff, and here's the truth. God will always call us to give something up before he entrusts us with more. Like, following Jesus isn't just, okay, I went to church, I said a prayer, now Jesus is in my life. Jesus says, I want total surrender to me. Not because he's mad at us, not because he's out to get you, but he knows that's actually going to be a place of freedom for you. Because we were never meant to live one foot in and one foot out. I don't know, uh, this is funny for me, uh, maybe you've been there before. In high school and college, after I was kind of strained from the Lord and figuring out what I believed about God, even though I grew up in a Christian home, I finally, my senior year of high school, got to a point where I'm like, God, I'm just all in. Whatever it looks like now, if I lose friends, if people think I'm crazy, I don't care anymore. And what was interesting, even after I made that decision, God would still call me to give certain things up. Well, in college, I was dating this girl, and I won't say who, she was awesome, great Christian family, but... Um, we went on a date together, and, um, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm not the fishing type, all right? So, one of the dates she wanted to take me on is she wanted to go fishing in her family pond, and she wanted to listen to country music while we did that. Let me just be real, you're never going to find country music on any playlist as close to my house, all right? And I knew I found my wife, Lienza, when, like, we both agreed on that, okay? Um... But I'll never forget this, like, thinking about the fact that God still speaks today. I mean, I've experienced that. Like, there's so many people that would say, well, the, hey, that's just for the Old Testament, that's just for the New Testament. Can I tell you, like, when I went all in for Jesus, it wasn't just like flipping a coin of like, well, this is who I'll marry, this is where I'll go, like, God has something very specific in mind for me, and I believe He has something very specific in mind for you. And I remember being literally... In this bathroom at her house, I'm hanging out with her family and I go in there and I don't know about you, I'm weird, but I go into the bathroom and I pray sometimes to clear my head because I'm like, I'm a social person, but sometimes I get caught up in my head. I'm in the bathroom, literally, I'll never forget it, clear as day. It was like the Holy Spirit said almost out loud, maybe the closest I've ever heard the voice of the Lord, this is not your wife. And for me, this is still a funny story to share, even three times in. How do I go back into the family gathering when I just heard that from the Lord, right? Like they're all having a meal and I come out, hey, what's up, guys? Like, I might not see you next week. I'm going to have to think about it, pray about it. And um, But what I started to notice was it was always right before God wanted to take me to the next level of my faith, He would ask me to give something up. And this hasn't just been a one-time thing. This has been every chapter of my life. Like every time he wanted to give me any more influence or leadership, I always came to a fork in the road where I'm like, do I want to hang on to this or do I want to go all in for God? And let me just be real with you. Like it's taken me time. I heard someone say that the more mature that we are in the Lord, our yes gets quicker. Like, that's how we know if we're growing in our faith. When the Lord says, leave everything, go here, the longer it takes us, it's evidence that we still have so much more room to grow. And if I'm being real with you, I've been there in the past few weeks. God's convicting me. Andy, like, if you want to continue to lead this church in the capacity that I have for you, or if you want to have any more kids, God willing, like, there are things in your life you need to get rid of, let go of. When God asks us to leave the familiar, when He calls us to leave familiar things, maybe it's relationships, friendships, financial security, an addiction, a bad habit, it most likely won't make earthly sense. Like other people are going to look at you and be like, why are you giving that up? Like I remember when I came face to face eight years ago in my walk with the Lord, if I'm going to go all in or not, I remember all the competing voices in my life. Why would you do that, Andy? Like, you go to church, you're fine. This is exactly what the enemy is going to put in our head the moment we get close to a decision, the moment we get close to a breakthrough. The enemy is going to remind us, what what about all that? And what about the way you used to party? What about all those people that would still think you're awesome? Like, in that moment, it's a fork in the road, but we have to be the ones to decide. God's given us free will. He's given us the gift of making the decision. He's not going to make it for us. But looking at this story of Abraham full circle, it says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance. Not even on this side of eternity. Even though he did not know where he was going. Like, Abraham was so countercultural to our American society today. When we feel like we're planning our life, we feel like, okay, step one has to equal step two. And then A plus B equals C. God is not asking for you to have it all figured out. He's just asking for your yes. He's asking for our obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. He doesn't say, if you love me, you'll go to church every once in a while. He says, if you love me, you'll live in total surrender to me. Every part of your life given to the Lord. Maybe it's financial security. You know, I feel like, especially thinking about that idea of retirement, bringing it full circle. All the things and the accolades and the success we obsess about. Like, here's a, a countercultural message. It's not about how much we can hoard in this life. It's about how much we can give away for the next life. Because when we meet God face-to-face, it isn't going to just be, Hey, did you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? The Lord is going to ask us, What did you do with the time, talent, and treasure that I entrusted to you? Like, did you use it all for your personal gain? Like if Jesus is our example, equal with God, fully God, fully man, it says he did not consider any of that to be used to his own advantage. But he humbled himself to go to the cross. The Lord is never going to ask us to do anything that he isn't willing to do himself. Is anybody with me this afternoon? Like, I know we're getting sleepy, football's coming, but is anybody with Just say amen. Amen. Come on, man, like I'm excited about this. I hope you're excited. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says this. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth because things can take that away. Like all the ways that we obsess over retirement, I have to have this security and this way that my finances and my family, and yes, there's some stewardship in this, but there is an eternal inheritance that God is preparing for us. Jesus says, I am preparing a place for you. That no man could take away, that no one could break into your house and steal your new expensive X, Y, and Z. This is eternal. But for so many of us, it's not just the sinful things that are holding us back, it's the familiar things. It might even be certain friends and family. I love this phrase, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. And I love this phrase because wherever you're coming from, whether you're like all in for Jesus, you're like, I'm still figuring this out. This is a true statement. Show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future because the people that are on our inner circle, like when we start to get excited about God, what's their response? Is it doubt? Is it skepticism? Is it fear? Is it doubt? Like, I don't know where that may be, but for you, I know for me, there were certain points and chapters in my life where I'm like, if I'm going to go to the next level of my faith, I'm going to have to sacrifice this friendship. I'm going to have to sacrifice something that is so near and dear to my heart. It may feel familiar. Maybe for you, it's family. Maybe it's like, man, I want to go to Christmas every time with this family member, but like, I can't have them speak into my life the way that they still do today. Show me your five closest friends and I'll show you. Your future. Matthew 7 6 says this do not give to dogs what is sacred. Jesus says, do not throw your pearls to the pigs. Jesus is basically saying, don't take the most precious things of your life, your treasure of your heart, and just give it away to random people. And I'm not talking about blessing people, blessing strangers. Of course, we're going to do that for everyone. I'm talking about like the things that are nearest and dearest to our heart. I heard a pastor say, whoever holds your ear holds your faith. So if you're surrounded by a bunch of people who are naysayers, they're not down with Christianity, for you to go all in for God, it's going to feel like there's like four or five leashes that are on you. And just because the Lord says we're a lion, we might still be caged up. And it might be the people in our life that are the closest and the most familiar. Would you stand to your feet this morning, this afternoon? I don't know where you're at on this Sunday afternoon. I know God's in this place, amen? And I have felt God's presence all three services today, seeing the life transformation, seeing the freedom that people are stepping into. And so I just want to go ahead and ask you, just bow your heads, close your eyes, whether you're watching online. There's no shame in the room, whether you feel like you're far from God or you're like, man, I feel super close to God. There's no shame. There's no judgment. The Lord comes with grace and mercy. with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to present a moment for us to just respond to the Lord. I don't want you to just hear a sermon, a message, and say, man, that was a good word. I'm going to leave and go do the same thing. Like, the Lord wants us to make a decision. And He's not going to rush you. He's not going to make it burdensome. It says, by His kindness, He leads us to repentance. Like, when we see the goodness of God, when we see that Christ went to the cross for us, He died a death that we deserve like we deserve to be the one hanging on the cross and jesus said i love them so much that i'll go for them that i'll step off my throne and i'll go down because i love them because i want to make a way for them to be right i don't want them to have eternity separate from me i don't want them to go to hell i don't want them to be living in all these crazy ways i want them to have life and life to the full and so when we taste and see that god is good it just calls for a response and there's no pressure but if there's anyone in the room that's not all in for Jesus this morning. You want to make that decision today? Would you just lift a hand to say, man, I, just, I want to give God my life today with heads bowed and eyes closed. There's no shame. I want to go all in for Jesus. If there's anyone watching online, let's just pray this prayer silently together as a body. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, I confess that I've sinned against you. But I thank you for your blood that was shed for me. Thank you for the free gift of salvation and I receive it now, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that you didn't just stay in the tomb but you rose three days later so I can make an impact right now. God, I thank you that there's callings all over this room. Individual lanes that you have called us to run in to fulfill our purpose so that one day we wouldn't just get to heaven and have fear and trembling, but we would approach the throne with freedom and confidence knowing that we answered the call. So if there's any believers in the room, the second response would be this. If there's anyone that's already like, man, I'm a Jesus follower, but I just, if I'm being real, I feel like there's some things holding me back. Maybe it's financial security. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's just... I don't know what God's going to ask me to do. Can I just say where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I just bless the believers with that, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That perfect love casts out all fear. You did not give us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind, Lord. You did not make us a slave to, to fear, but you have called us children of God. Lord, we thank you that your plans for us are better than we could ever ask of, dream of, or imagine. So if there's any believers in the room, would you just lift a hand to say, Man, I feel like there's something holding me back. Maybe it's just a pattern. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's comparison. Would you just lift a hand? There's no shame. You can put your hands down. I just want to pray, Lord, whatever is holding people back in this room, I pray in Jesus' name that you would unleash us right now, today. Lord, I thank you that we can come out of agreement with things that we have binded ourselves to. Maybe it's a family generational stronghold. Lord, I come against family generational strongholds in Jesus' name in this service. Maybe it's an addiction to alcohol that was passed on. Maybe it's an addiction to pornography that was passed on. Lord, thank you that it's broken in Jesus' name. You are setting people free. You are proclaiming freedom for the captives this afternoon, Lord. Give you the glory, Lord. And I pray that we would be able to live now for the next life. And it's in Jesus' name, everybody say, Amen. Come on, everybody said, Amen. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise for all that He's done today, what He'll continue to do. Um, I want to close the day with just a, a worship song, of proclamation. To just say, God, I'm not just going to hear this, but I'm going to make this the song of my life. This is going to be a lifestyle. So let's worship one more time with that sense of freedom, with that sense of joy. And we'll be done.